Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books and Political Science podcast. My name is Heath Brown, and today I'll be talking to one of the editors of God at the Grassroots 2016, The Christian Right in American Politics. The book is published by Roman and Littlefield, and the editor that I'm talking with today is Mark Rosell. Mark, how are you doing today? Doing well, thank you, Heath. It's such a pleasure to have you on to talk about this timely book. Among your your other uh, qualifications, you are the dean of the Shar School of Policy and Government at George Mason University, uh, and you and your uh, co-editor, Clyde Wilcox, have written this book. Would you tell us just a little bit more about yourself and also just a little bit of introduction of your co-editor? Sure. I'm a political scientist by training. I've been teaching and writing in American politics for about three decades, and one of my fields of research is the intersection of religion and American politics. My co-editor, Clyde Wilcox, is professor of government at Georgetown University and one of the leading scholars in the country on religion and politics. We first got together on a volume similar to this one, actually, in 1994, and that was called God at the Grassroots, the Christian Right in American Elections, Um, and that examined the impact of religious conservatives on the so-called Republican Revolution election of 1994 with reports from various critical states in that election cycle. And we continued this collaboration through a number of federal election cycles since 1994, including many of the exact same authors all the way up until this volume on the 2016 election. So I think one of the unique things about this book is that it builds on research that a number of religion and politics scholars have been doing on the impact of the religious right in their states for a period of more than two decades. Now, we're not going to be able to talk about every part, every uh, article mm-hmm. in the uh, the volume, but would you just highlight some of the people that have contributed to this? These are some of the luminaries in the field of the study of religion and politics, and um, maybe you can just highlight uh, a couple of them sure. um, uh, to give give a sense of, of who's included sure. here. They are many of the leading authors on religion and politics in the United States. Kenneth Wald, uh, the late Ted Gellin, Paul DeJuppe, Kimberly Conger, um, Corwin Smith, Christopher Gilbert, uh, Karen Robinson. Uh, you know, many people who study Warren Smith, James Guth, people who study religion and politics, they would know all of these folks. Um, and we've got some new authors, too, and uh, co-authors who have worked with some of these leading figures in uh, the study of religion in the United States politics. And we're recording this conversation uh, the morning after the, the very major election in Alabama that uh, uh, I think uh, bears a lot of resemblance to many of the states and many of the races that you're studying in this book. Yeah. Uh, you write at the start of the book that, and I'll quote, the 2016 presidential candidacy of Donald J. Trump posed a special challenge for many religious motivated voters. What was the special challenge exactly that was posed by Donald Trump? Here you had a candidate 
who in his personal background, uh, as well as himself having in the past supported and made contributions to the Clintons, took pro-choice stands on abortion, was seeking the support of religious conservatives. And to many in the religious conservative community, uh, his background raised a lot of questions about whether he really was credible. But over time, he won their support, and he won it overwhelmingly. Uh, Trump received 81% of the white evangelical vote in 2016, which was better than the result for Mitt Romney or John McCain or even George W. Bush. And that was quite surprising to many observers that this three times married casino gambler operator, um, you know, worshiper of global capital, man who had bragged about sexual assault and, um, you know, what he could do to women because he's a celebrity and so forth, would actually win the support of religious conservatives who, for years, had led the charge on the point that uh, one must lead a good moral life in order to be qualified to be uh, a servant of the public. Uh, Remember, during the Clinton era, of course, religious conservatives were leaders of the charge for the Clinton impeachment. And public opinion surveys back then revealed that among white evangelicals, an overwhelming majority said that one must uh, be a morally uh, uh, sound person in order to be qualified to hold an office of public trust. That all changed by 2016. But It was a struggle for religious conservatives, in part because there were other candidates running on the Republican side who were much more credible um, from the standpoint of representing what religious conservatives believe. Uh, Ted Cruz, for example, or Mike Huckabee, Rick Santorum, you can go down the list. But ultimately, many, I think, made a compromise. They saw how well Trump was doing. He won them over in his commitments on social issues, and they believed he could win. And for them, that was really huge because in the past, they had backed Republican candidates um, who were more purist on their issues and more closely represented their idea um, of a good good moral person, but then lost elections. Uh, Or they backed mainstream Republican candidates hoping there would be a payback for their loyalty And they didn't get it. So this Trump guy comes along and they think he can win. They think he will deliver. And therefore, uh, the vast majority of them lined up behind his candidacy, ultimately. Now, you also describe uh, someone named Russell Moore and Russell Moore's reaction to the Trump campaign. Who is Russell Moore uh, first, for those that don't know who Russell Moore is, and what made his role in 2016 unique? Right. So Russell Moore has long been a leader in the evangelical community, and he was the most vocal of the prominent evangelical conservatives to come out strongly against Donald Trump's candidacy to say that he could not, Trump, represent uh, religious conservatives, the evangelical viewpoint in American politics, um, and that this was a compromise that simply goes too far. He was really concerned that many religious conservatives had uh, resorted to a kind of situational morality or ethics. Um, 
you know, that they would lambaste a Democrat, for example, or uh, who had fallen short of their standards of good moral conduct. But then for a Republican, uh, you know, who had a chance of winning the presidency, for example, they were willing to forgive a lot of things that were at least as bad or even worse than what they criticized um, in other Democratic candidates for public offices. So Russell Moore was really calling out the evangelicals for what he believed was a kind of hypocrisy going on in their support for Donald Trump. And he took an enormous amount of criticism from his community as a result of that. Ultimately, he did not convince uh, many of those that he had convinced in the past that his view was the right view. And you, you write about ultimately the Christian conservatives largely backing Trump that their, and I'll quote again, their support for Trump poses a series of risks to its credibility. Uh, I wonder what are those risks? And also what about the, the uh, Trump's first year in office uh, may have confirmed that the risks that they took uh, were good risks to take. Uh, we now have a, a year in. Uh, was the support for Trump ultimately in the best interests of Christian conservatives? I think if you take a short-term view, the answer to that question is yes. The religious conservatives lined up behind Trump because they believed he could win, um, and they also believed that he would deliver on policy where previous Republican presidents simply had not done so. And Trump, in his first year in office, has really done a lot of things uh, that the religious conservatives are very, very pleased about. Um, and you have religious conservative leaders such as uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. saying they've never had it this good from any Republican president before and that their calculation in supporting him was the right one. Now, of course, there is the long-term danger of being associated with the Trump presidency uh, and all of the baggage that goes with that. So you have a president right now who has a national uh, support or popularity rating of around 35% at best, and the religious conservatives are really the core supporters. So they seem to be kind of out there on their own uh, in opposition to the vast majority of the rest of the American population uh, that does not have a very favorable view of President Trump. And thus, if his presidency ends in spectacular failure, uh, whether it's impeachment, resignation, uh, a major defeat for re-election, or just leaving office in disgrace after four years having accomplished very little, I think that's going to have some long-term consequences for the credibility of the religious right. You know, I go back to the Clinton era. Um, most Americans disagreed with the impeachment and effort to remove President Clinton from office in the late 1990s. The religious conservatives, though, stood firm on the basis of certain principles of appropriate moral conduct in public office. And there were many who admired the stand on principle, even though it was a very unpopular one, and really understood why they believed what they did. Um, you know, what is, I think, dangerous for the religious right is to completely flip that uh, within the space of one generation, right, 20 years, and be supporting so strongly um, a president who has openly admitted to uh, behavior that falls very, very short of the standards of religious conservatives is at least as bad, perhaps worse than uh, what Bill Clinton ultimately acknowledged uh, that he had done. And, and it led many people to say, they're just all about the power now. 
it's it's not about principles anymore. It's 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 not that they are trying to uphold a certain standard of morality in public life. Um, it's just all about who has the power and whether they get the seat at the table. And they're enjoying having a seat at the table in the Trump administration right now. Now, Virginia is a bit of an anomaly in 2016 and in and, and 2017 as well. Uh, you describe Virginia as the birthplace of the Christian right. But in 2016, things looked very different. I, I wonder what Virginia politics says about where the Christian right is today. Um, is Virginia a good place to look uh, or is the Virginia the, the wrong place to look to understand the Christian sure. right? Sure. My co-author, uh, Clyde Wilcox, and I actually wrote a book in the 1990s about the rise and evolution of the religious right movement in Virginia politics. And what we saw at that time was a major um, influencer of both uh, statewide elections and public policy in the state uh, that had once been a marginalized political movement, but very much entered the mainstream and became very effective. And that, those were really the heydays of the religious right. Um, you know, that book is now 20 years old. But you look at the evolution of Virginia, the change in, its, in the state's demographics, um, its voting in elections uh, that has increasingly gone democratic over time, um, and the decline in influence of the religious conservatives in the state. Uh, you look at the latest elections in Virginia 2017, they tell you what you need to know. Uh, Republicans just got wiped out all over the place in the statewide elections this year. But in 2016, the subject of this book, Hillary Clinton comfortably won Virginia, a state that up until 2008 was actually the most Republican voting state in the country, um, and at the presidential level, that is. And so... You know, there's been quite a significant transformation in Virginia. And remember, Virginia was the birthplace of the moral majority, the birthplace of the Christian coalition, uh, the home of Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, uh, now Liberty University and Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, you know, much of the Christian right movement has really been centered here in Virginia uh, for now four decades. And they have seen their influence vastly declined here over time. I wonder if, I wonder if uh, in, our, in order to wrap up a little bit here, we can, we can talk about not something that was in the book, but is in the news right now, which is this recent Alabama Senate election. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you make sense of what happened in that election, uh, given what you know about the, um, not just the, the Christian right in 2016, but also in previous election cycles? Um, how do you make sense of what's going on, what went on in Alabama is, and also as a way to look ahead to 2018 and 2000, sure. uh, 2020? Okay. Well, I think what happened in Alabama in 2017 is very consistent with what happened in 2016, as documented in our book in a number of states. So people tend to look at winners and losers and draw conclusions. But we have to remember, Donald Trump won by the work of the Electoral College. He got 46% of the national vote. So he lost the popular vote and Roy Moore marginally lost the popular vote in Alabama last night. Uh, but there is no electoral college, right? Uh, in, in, uh, statewide elections. So we saw in Alabama, as was the case in the national elections in 2016, that about 
of white evangelicals uh, voted for the Republican candidate and voted for a Republican candidate uh, about whom there were many very disturbing accusations uh, about his conduct toward women as there have been about Donald Trump. So we are seeing that the evangelical core of the Republican Party is sticking with Republican Party nominees, even those who have been accused of various improprieties that one would think otherwise would be disqualifiers uh, for evangelical Christians. Uh, so I think we have we have come to the point where the religious right is much more about winning elections and holding power, having a seat at the table so that they can influence public policy, much like any other interest group in American politics. Um, and therefore, from their standpoint, that requires significant compromises. But I have to tell you, looking at the results in Virginia this year, 2017, the Alabama election last night, this does not portend well for the Republican Party uh, going into the 2018 elections. Uh, Donald Trump, I think, is a drag on the Republican Party right now. And I think the religious conservatives are wrapped up in that. Unfortunately for them, they may have made a very bad calculation, actually, in aligning themselves politically so much with just one political party um, at the cost of their own reputations as representing something, you know, that's higher or more noble about American politics and what it takes to be qualified to hold a position of public trust. The book is God at the Grassroots, 2016, The Christian Right in American Politics. The uh, book is edited uh, by Mark Rosell and Clyde Wilcox. Uh, Mark is the author of a number of the chapters as well. Uh, the book is published by Roman Littlefield and available this year. Mark, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Heath. My pleasure. 